Would you pray with me now? Father God, thank you so much for uh, this moment, this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would awaken our senses. Uh, Father, we want to be men and women that actually hear you. We pray that you would uh, crack us open in places that we need to be reminded that you're still speaking and you still hear us. May this morning be a great encouragement in our further discipleship journey with you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Coming to our senses, week three, sound. And the title of your message is, Are You Even Listening to Me? Because as we know, there's a vast difference between hearing and listening. And the difference between hearing and listening, I submit to you, is measured by the response in the recipient. So there's a difference between hearing and listening measured by the response of the recipient. Are you even listening to me? I have this friend who we used to live in L.A. together. We were in a Bible study, and, and uh, he was a funny guy, and, and uh, still is a funny guy. And he tells this funny story of listening and, and how you can kind of hear stuff and not really listen. He was, he was at APU at the time, Azusa Pacific, and, and uh, he had entered a contest to win a year's worth of free tuition. He was so eager and so, uh, so needed this uh, promotion to be, to, you know, to be a blessing in his life because they were just struggling to get by. He confessed he may have put an extra 10 or 20 cards in the old fishbowl to get pulled out. They were giving a year's worth of tuition away. And then the phone rang that, that December, and, and, and the woman was on the other line, and she said, sir, you know, something about you've won the whole enchilada, and, and he just started screaming. He threw the phone down. He's screaming to his wife. He's like, honey, it, it's happened. We won the whole thing. We won the whole enchilada. We did it. We're screaming. He was crying tears of joy. He was hearing, and the woman was still speaking through the phone. She says, sir, sir, you're not listening. And she picked it up, and she says, sir, no, sir, I'm calling from the whole enchilada restaurant. You've won two free entrees that expires in two weeks, so I'm encouraging you to come down to the whole enchilada, and we will get you your free food. He said there was a difference between hearing and listening. And we laugh at that, right? But this idea, this question, are you even listening to me? Ask anyone in the room that's married. There is a difference between hearing and really listening. I don't want to just see, you know, you sit there. I want to know that the words I'm saying are taking an effect on you. And so the difference between hearing and listening is measured in the response of the recipient. And today as we look at Luke 2 and we look at the shepherds, we're going to be looking at this, at this, at this context, the difference between hearing and listening measured in the active response of the recipient. Because we want to be people that actually experience God in the everyday. That's what this series has been about. That we might see God in our actual day-to-day living. That we might taste God. That we might hear God. Not just someday. And not just what someone else has experienced. But that our life might be made more fruitful. Because Jesus is speaking into our life. What does faith sound like? You know, in Jesus' time, it was a very auditory culture. The people of Jesus' time in first century Israel, they, they told stories. I mean, this is, what the, this is what the rabbi and discipleship journey looked like. The, a rabbi would come and tell stories about God, and people would gather and listen. And then the rabbis that you, that you liked, that you followed, how to become a disciple was, you would just follow and listen. And so when Jesus you know, lived, it was almost 40 years before Mark, which most scholars say was the first gospel written, almost 40 years. They weren't in a hurry. Well, what did they need to rush for? They had the stories. 
They were a listening culture. We get how far and removed our life is today because for most of us, myself included, we're noisy people. Like we, you know, there's noise in the car, there's noise with our kids, there's noise at school, like there's always being bombarded with sound and we, we have, you know, things to do and create, we put more sound in our ears, we have white noise over the white noise, there's, we're bombarded with sounds, but we have to be people that are, are hoping to not just hear about what faith is, but listening to our Savior in the each and the every day. And our culture is waking up to this. I don't know if you're kind of sensing that too, but you think about the power of podcasts growing, people listening to stories in their car, listening to NPR, listening to, to podcasts and things like Serial. Look at the app Audible, how this is like just growing like crazy because people are listening to stories again. We understand that we've been tuning out. And for many of us in our culture, we want to tune in we want to be not just hearing, we want to be listening. And so this is what I hunger for you as your pastor. If I'm your pastor, you're like, yeah, I, I, this is my church, all right? Yeah, I, I come every couple of months, I'm here. Like, I want to say, as your pastor, I want this to be our experience. They're not just showing up to events, but there were men and women actually trying to listen to our Savior. We're listening to our rabbi, and then we're believing as we're seeking to hear him, we're believing that he hears us. And so today we're going to look at Luke 2. We're going to look at the story of the shepherds with this big idea that the shepherds in Jesus' birth story offer us this ideal response for disciples of Jesus, hearing from God and responding with our lives. Because guys, there's a difference, right, between hearing and listening. And the difference is measured in the response of the recipient. Let's take a look. The first point in our outline We've got to learn as disciples of men and women, we've been Christians for a week, a year, 50 years. We're all on this process together. We have to learn there's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference. It's not just pretending to listen. It's actually being measured in how it takes up residence within me. And so for that, we're going to look at the shepherds in Luke 2. The context of, of the shepherds is, is interesting because many of us have been in church a while. We get it. Shepherds in a field. Their job is at the lowest of the socioeconomic status. They're, they're outside of the city, literally and figuratively. They're outside of the temple. The temple built in ancient Jerusalem in the center of town, up on the hill, and the shepherds were outside taking care of someone else's livelihood. I mean, the, the bottom rung. They would often stay out for weeks at a time. And so they were smelly, they were stinky, they were, they were, they were far from the center of town. But in that, there's something for us to listen to because there's this difference between their real life and the revelation that, that comes when they hear about, this, about the Savior's birth. There is this difference, or I'll use a different synonym here because it's a powerful word. There is a delta. The delta is the difference between their real life and the, the revelation of God's story. And it's, it's true for me, too. I, I find the people with the biggest delta between their life and the revelation of God's story are more hungry for revelation, right? When, when we're kind of filled up and we're good and everything's good, for, for many of us, we don't see that much difference between my real life and, and my need for Christ. And so when we hurt, when we're lonely, when we become in these experiences where we feel more like a shepherd outside of town, there's this delta. And in that need, in that gap is where the, where the angels reveal themselves. And so Luke 2, verse 17 and then verse 20, they hear really clearly and they, they're moved from hearing to listening. 
Verse 17, when the, angels had, or when the shepherds had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child, about Christ. And all who heard it were amazed, were listening for hearing words here. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And here's the truth. The shepherds model it. There's, there's, there's a difference. Hearing is not the same as listening. And as a church, as God's people, we don't, we don't just want to be hearing. We don't want to be religious. We don't want to just be showing up. I, I know these stories. I know these Advent stories. No, we want to be people actually listening. And throughout the Old Testament, different prophets would speak out when Israel was showing up and they were hearing, but they weren't listening. This is a prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel 26. I will silence the sound of your songs and the sound of your harps will be heard no more. God's saying through Ezekiel, I don't care about religion. I want you to listen to me. I, w- I want you to do more than just, you know, like just kind of going through the motion. I want you to be fully present, and we're fully present as we listen to God. And Prophet Amos said the same thing, Amos 5. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I'll not even listen to the sound of your harps. The real hearing moves us to listeners because our tension has been aroused. We have to listen well, like practically. Friends, we have to do this with our roommates, in our marriages, with our parents, with our children, with our, with our aging parents, in the workplace, with our God. We have to be growing in the power of listening. Well, how do we do that? There's this skill that we, we teach people this when we teach marriage conferences and the like. It's called active listening. And that when you're listening, you have an option to be active about it or passive. But active listening means that, that you're actually practicing being engaged in the listening experience. And so if you're practicing active listening, it means that, you know, if somebody's talking, you turn your posture towards them. And that you seek to make eye contact with them. And you might nod an affirmation. You can restate what you've heard so that they know they're being listened to. I hear you saying you had a hard day at work. What do you need from me? I hear, you know, these are, these are experiences of active listening. You know, because our body communicates so much. I would submit to you the same thing with God. When you show up with God, are you, are you actively listening? Have you prepared yourself in the morning, at lunch break, in the evening, and you light a candle? Do you open your word? Do you just say a, a moment's prayer? Lord, I want to be present to you. I want to listen to you. Like, we need to be growing in this practice of active listening. I get this, right? I teach this. But there's a gap, there's a delta in Scott's life between what he can teach others to do and what he sometimes practices in his own home. So we had this experience some months back where my dear wife was sharing about her day and I could tell you all about active listening and she's like pouring her heart out and she turns around and I'm gone. She's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm in the closet but I can still hear you. It didn't go so well. All right, I just leave it at that. It didn't go so well because that's not active listening. She wasn't just hoping that the words were communicated into a different room as I'm like doing something else. I'm not, re- I'm hearing her, but I'm definitely not listening. No, active listening takes some practice. And Pastor Ruth shared with me this really powerful book 
called Awaken Your Senses. If you've been enjoying this, this Advent series on kind of actually experiencing God through our senses, I would suggest to you this book, pick it up, Awaken Your Senses. And the authors talk about active listening, and they say this about active listening in the book. Active listening is perhaps one of the most important and sacred personal spiritual disciplines and ministries we can offer someone. It's actually a ministry to listen well. It is the pathway to holy ground. But before we can coach another person to distinguish the Spirit's voice within, we must become proficient at recognizing and listening to Christ's voice within us. And so taken another way, we can, we can see it like this. Before I can speak about Jesus to others, I must listen to the words in my own life. We've got to be people listening well. But how do we do that? I mean, it's, it's easy to say, much harder to do. As I was reflecting and praying over this very moment this week, I said, make this real, God. Two thoughts came to me that I wanted to share with you. The first is this. Many times, it, it, we may be scared of listening well. We might be scared of listening to God and listening to people around us because we're scared of the holes it might reveal within ourselves. Remember in Genesis, when Genesis 3, the chapter, uh, when sin enters into God's creation story, God is walking through the garden. He's walking through the garden, and Adam says, I heard you walking in the garden, and I was scared, and I, was, and I ran. And so for some of us, we're scared to actively listen to our spouse to our roommates, to ask questions to someone else, what do you need from me? And scared to, to, to listen to God because we're scared of some of the holes it might reveal. I know for me, like sometimes in the busy seasons, I can just kind of tune out, you know what I mean? And kind of go on autopilot and just kind of you know, get my to-do list and kind of go through the motions. And I'm scared if I really stop and ask the people closest to me what they need, how I could be a friend to them. I'm scared it will reveal my own needs, my own vulnerabilities. The fact is to actually listen to someone, you've got to be close to them. And to be close to them there's, means there's intimacy, and intimacy is scary for some of us. And so some of us, there's just fear around listening. And then others of us, you, just, you hear something about hearing from God, and you just laugh because life sounds a lot more like crying babies or nonstop work or, no, honestly, right? You're like, there's no place to listen to God. I, I've, you know, sometimes I'll just drive, and I've got four kids in a Yukon, and I, you know, we joke about this often. Could we just put that limo glass just, yep, because it's so noisy, and you want me to listen more to God. It's, it's noisy from, from 5.30 in the morning until 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. Some of you are in seasons where you're working like crazy. It's like there's no time to listen well. It's just, there's not that space, and for, for those of you in that, in that space, maybe God wants to challenge you this morning that you need to be listening for God right in the midst of the 65-hour work week, right in the midst of raising a bunch of kids where it's never quiet in your home, right in the midst of a, of a living situation that's less than ideal with roommates that have different habits, and you need to listen maybe right in the middle of it. And it's very easy for us to say, if I had a different situation, I'd be able to hear God differently. But God wants to awaken us to the way that hearing becomes listening, not in someone else's life, in the life that he's given us to live today. Again, from this book, Awaken Your Senses, often the sounds of our own life are just background noise. Or worse, they're an annoyance. Sometimes the sounds that surround us, but that we don't hear could be blessings, the call of the robin in spring, a child's laugh of delight, the gurgle of a water fountain. We let them pass our ears by without noticing or being blessed by them. Take a moment 
and listen to the sounds around you. Pay attention to them in love. What sounds do you notice? Could we actually be thankful in the midst of the baby's cry at 2 a.m., in the toddler's nonstop whining, in the sass of the tween or teen, in the argument with the child, with the frustration with the parent? Can we actually hear God there? It's difficult. It's difficult. There was a family many years ago, and they've moved away, so I can tell this story safely, that prayed for a child. They prayed. We prayed together. Prayed, Lord, please. And for people walking that road of infertility, it's, it's very lonely, very silent, very hurtful. And so we prayed for them, and, and it was, you know, sometime later, a year or so later, they, there was a pregnancy, there was a birth, and, and there was noise. But the noise was hard for this family to be thankful for. And so one Sunday they were kind of, you know, downloading how noisy it is and no sleep and tired and, you know, a lot of complaint, to be honest. And I get it. It's hard. Parenting's a lot of work. It's a calling. It's not easy. But, you know, I, I, I'm like, we, we actually prayed that you would hear those noises. And now there's no gratitude. There's, there's no joy. It's just being overwhelmed with the fatigue. Could we be thankful for God and listen for him in the midst of the noise of our lives? Because some of us in the room, we know what it's like to, to be in really silent periods. This is a hard day for us, a hard day for my family. Eight years ago today, we lost a, a little boy, Fisher Samuel's son. He'd be eight today, today. Man, we, um, he was in utero and nine pounds and if you don't know the story, I'll, I'll tell you more of it later, but, you know, the worst day of our life. Like we say, what's the worst day of your life? That was the worst day of our life. To give birth to a <clears throat> fully grown nine-pound baby, and um, we got to spend the day with him. And all day long, I'm holding this nine-pound little boy, just, just breathe, just make a sound. I, I, I'm going to listen to you. And we can forget such beauty in the sounds of our life. We can forget. God is encouraging us. Even in the darkness, in the, in the hurt, in the pain, and even the worst times, I can be present to you. Are you listening for me? Are you listening? I'll tell you, friends, like driving all the way here this morning, I'm like, I should not have come to church. I should not. I should have taken the day off. I just felt hard. And I got about 10 minutes into worship, and I'm like, this is where I need to be. Because I want to give glory to God through my story, because it was God that held my family together, and it was the church that practiced the church, because there was a delta in that time between who I was without God and what God could offer me through hope. We're moving from hearing to listening, and it's gauged in the response of the recipient. God wants us to be paying attention to the sounds. And this sets up well our second point of our outline, where God says we have to hear. We have to be hearing and listening God in the midst of the everyday. And this question, you know, how do we hear the sounds of God? Like it sounds good. I know the shepherd's story, but how does that reel in Shoreline, in Edmonds, in Briar, in the life that I live now, God? How do I hear your sounds? We've got to be listening to God in the midst of our everyday. John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep 
listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so we've got to be people. We've got to be disciples. We don't want to be just showing up for services. We don't just want to hear. We want to listen. And so we've got to be, we've got to be asking God to make us aware, to make us aware of him in the midst of our everyday life. But it's, it's tempting to tune out. It's tempting because we get busy and we get, you know, there's a lot of noise. And how do I still hear God? You know, it's, it's true for a lot of people in seasons of grief and that delta is big. They're really hungry for God's revelation. But then in the, in the everyday, in the rest of lifetimes, it's more difficult. And so Jesus would have this word for the Pharisees in John 5 verse 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have life. And these very scriptures testify about me. So Jesus says, keep paying attention to your own life. Pay attention you know, we went, uh, Heather and I lived for five years in Los Angeles, and I remember when we first moved down there, we were fascinated by the police helicopters. Any of you live in, in Southern California, you know what I'm talking about, the police helicopters? A few of us. So you're like, you, you're down there, and if you're not used to it, like we, would, we used to like hide, you know, there's a helicopter with a searchlight, we're like asking our neighbors, like, what is that? Like, oh, don't worry, they're just looking for a bad guy. It's like, but that's in our neighborhood. Like, yeah, you'll get used to it. And, you know, sure enough, we, we lived down there almost, well, four years, I guess. You know, a couple years later, we, you know, we'd be having guests in town, and they'd be, like, hiding under our car. What are you doing? They're like, the helicopter in the sky. Oh, we didn't even pay attention anymore. Because you get used to things, right? You just get used to it. It doesn't arouse your senses in the same way. And so God wants to just wake us up through, through this season of Advent and preparation Hear me in the midst of your everyday. Psalm 46 translation says this, that God, dig open a grave. You open my eyes. My ears have been dug out. And so when we listen for God in the everyday, we know that all sounds can be glorious if they teach us more about Christ in our life. The sounds of our own life can be glorious, like glorious. Man, you want to talk about glorious sounds. Let me tell you, let me tell you a story. Fall 92 Capitol High School, fall of 1992, we were 8-0. We were fifth in state. You probably remember this team because we were a really big deal in West Olympia. We were 8-0, baby. And we were the last game of the year. We're playing Tumwater High. They're third in state. They're also 8-0. I mean, it was the, the, you remember, because it was such a big deal for all of us, clearly. And, you know, the, the game was at 7.30, but the gates open at 5.30 and people start streaming in. And Ingersoll Stadium filled. And then they started to fill around the track. And by game time, they were five deep around the track other than where the players stood. And you talk about glorious sounds. First drive of the game, we'd, we'd been horrible for like 10 years. We'd never, you know, done very well. So this was like the biggest moment of our 17, 18-year-old lives. And, you know, it's the first drive of the game. We're on offense. I play receiver. And, you know, the quarterback takes the ball and hands it off to the wing back, and he runs, and then it's a pitch pass, and he throws this just ugly duck 40 yards in the air, and I'm down there in the end zone. There's three Tumwater guys, and I go up and just, you know, you know, the guys are laying on top of me. I'm in the end zone. No, it's like quiet, and then I stand up in the end zone. Glorious! The crowd goes wild, and we lost like 50 to 7. So that was like the last glorious sound for the Capitol Cougars. But I'll tell you, in that moment, I will never forget. Like, these just, glory sounds. Glorious. Was God in that? Sure he is. Sure he was. Other sounds of our life. The baby, heartbeat, gone. I love you. 
I want to spend my life with you. Glorious. I don't feel the same way anymore. Good and bad. And friends, we have, in the evangelical world, we have fed our kids the steady diet of telling them that God shows up up here and he's somehow not present here. And we live in these two spaces, all of us. We have the worst day of our life stories and we have the glorious sounds. And God is present in it all. And I think that's why I'm so thankful to be at church this morning because God wanted me to tell you this, this message that God wants you to hear his presence and he wants you to move from just hearing but actually listening to him in the each and the everyday. Listen to what God is speaking in your life. And if you're in these moments right now, praise God, I'm seriously thankful for you that you're just like killing it right now. God's present. And if you're somewhere down here or here or here or here, his message is still, hey, I'm still speaking. Listen to me in the everyday experiences of your life. You know, right before we lost the baby, that year before, God had had spoken to me. Actually spoke to me and he said, Scott, come and build the church. I could tell you more of that story at some other time, but he actually, you know, I was able to listen. He kind of cracked through my everyday and he said, I want the church to matter again. Like, come and build the church. Not Bethany, no job discovery. He just said these things. Like, what do you do with that? He told me that so that I'd be able to continue to live my life in response and the church would matter. Last Sunday at the end of the second service, I did a wedding over at the Nile Golf Course. So I ran backstage, put on my suit. I'm driving in for the wedding. And I got to tell you, Sunday morning, the golf course looked sweet, all right? And I'm like, I like pull in. And it's like probably like the voice of Satan in my life, but it's like, you could golf every Sunday morning if you weren't a pastor. And I'm like, quiet, quiet, you know, but it's like, it looks so nice, and I was like, you know, feeling maybe a little tired, maybe a little discouraged, and it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, I could could go golfing on Sunday mornings, and it's like, no, this matters, because when we're here, we can hear, and we can listen, and we can break the bread, and we can sing the songs, and when that little girl sang that part of that song, my heart melted a little bit. And some of you are like, hey, man, you're preaching to the choir. And I know, and others will be podcasting this later, but there is a value for us to gather. And we will do this imperfectly. People are like, man, I really like your speaking. I'm like, well, stick around a while because you won't. Because like, I'm human. We're imperfect. We have imperfect children's ministries, imperfect worship ministries, imperfect adult discipleship. We're imperfect people. But God says when you're here in community, you have more of a chance to hear me. In the midst of your everyday life, keep listening in the midst of your everyday. And something I hear all the time is this. People, you know, come in, we'll have coffee in the coffee shop, or we'll be hanging out in my office, and they'll be sitting on my couch, and they'll say, yeah, but God doesn't, God doesn't speak to me like that. Like, I'm really happy, Scott, that you've, you've been able to see God in here and in here, but I don't... I don't, I don't have that kind of relationship with God. I don't hear God in my everyday. What do we do with that? And friends, I want to suggest to you that for many of us, we confuse the setting with the dialogue in our lives. Like we confuse the settings for our life for how God is speaking to us. Things are really hard at home right now. That's your setting. That's not the dialogue that God is speaking into you. 
The setting at work is, is super poisonous right now, okay? That's a, that's a setting that God cares about, but that's not God's dialogue with you. For many, many of God's people, like, we're just praying for the setting to change. Instead of actually hearing the dialogue of what God is speaking in our lives, he speaks in some of the most darkest places. The scriptures are full of them. They're in the prison cell. They can hear God speaking. Bonhoeffer's witness to Christ got more and more and more powerful as his influence was taken, his church was taken, his school was taken, his his freedom was taken, and he continues to grow in his witness. Don't confuse the setting and the dialogue. God wants to speak in the midst of the setting he's placed you in today, into your ordinary and mundane and average life, because we don't We don't spend a lot of moments in that touchdown moment. And hopefully for a lot of you, you don't spend a lot of moments down here. It's somewhere in between. And God is speaking in the midst of the life he's already placed you in. I've been doing this devotional out of the words and teachings of Frederick Buechner. And Buechner says this about the subject. He says, listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery it is. In the boredom and pain of it, no less than in the excitement and gladness. Touch taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments. And life itself is grace. And, and I'm, I, I'm one of us. Not all moments feel like grace. I'm not there on Tuesday preaching little sermonettes to my family. I'd be like, shut up, dad. You know, like, it's just real. It's just Tuesday. And there's a car full of noisy kids, or there's bills to pay, or there's struggles with, you know, work, or whatever's going on, and God is saying, it's in the everyday that I want you to be hearing my sounds. Don't wait for the miraculous. The miracle is the life that you already have. And if we're getting that right as men and women of faith, if we're getting that right, the miracle of the everyday, and God's speaking in the midst of the life I'm already placed, then we're able to hear the dialogue through the setting, because the settings will change, Right? Settings change. The dialogue does not. God, God is speaking to us all the time. And that's what the shepherds model. And, and then this leads us to our final point that we have this option, but I want to encourage us more. We have to believe that God hears us every day. Like we, we need to believe that, that we're hearing God, but I want us also to believe that God hears us. That God hears us. That he actually hears us. He's actually attuned to us. So when we, when we pray to him, God is paying attention. When we spend time with him, God is blessed by the experience. If we don't believe God hears us, our prayer lives are fallacy. Do you believe that God hears you when you call out and cry out? God hears us in the everyday. I, I was you know, kind of thinking about this and uh, kind of laughing about that song, The Sounds of Silence. How many people 40 and above, raise your hand loud and proud, the sounds of silence, recently rated one of the top songs in the history of humanity. And Paul Simon, when he wrote the song, The Sounds of Silence, he was living with his parents, and he said he liked the sound of his guitar over the tile floor, so he turned on the faucet, and he would just strung his guitar, and this is where that lyric came, hello, darkness, my old friend, I've come to speak to you again. Write this song about angst, and they release it. But no one's listening. I mean, literally, like it went out and it just went out with a collective thud. The PR company didn't push it. The record company didn't push it. Simon and Garfunkel were so despondent, they actually broke up. 
They stopped making music together because all of art, we, we make our art, but we want to know that somebody's listening. It's more than just the dollar signs or I want to do this full time. You ask any artist in the room, they just say, I create, but I want to know that it has an impact on somebody because the impact is measured on the response of the recipient. I want to write songs. I want to draw pictures. I want to tell stories. I want to, I want to do my art. I want to live my life at art and know that, know that somebody is listening because the difference between hearing and listening is measured in the response of the recipient. And we have a God who hears us. We, he hears us. We preached that a lot this summer as we were preaching through the life of Moses. But if you were gone or, or you need a recap, let me remind you, Mo, in Exodus 3, the burning bush chapter, it, there's this interplay between Moses actually seeing and hearing from God and God hearing and seeing him. In Exodus 3, you know, God says, I've seen the misery of my people of Egypt and I've heard them crying because of their slave drivers. I've heard them and I'm concerned about their suffering. And so in verse 8 of Exodus 3, God says, I've come down to rescue them. And if that's not foreshadowing of the incarnation that we get in Jesus' life in the New Testament, I don't know what is. I've come down to rescue them. And then this is what it looks like. Verse 10, he tells Moses, so you go. I'm sending you. God says, I, I am a listening God. And I, I, I hear it. We have the incarnation of Christ that after hearing us, God comes down. And then we get the invitation that after God hears us, he sends us. He wants us to be men and women, active listening to, to the experiences of the people in our life, moving from hearing to listening. And, and sensing him in the everyday and believing that God hears us. Do you believe it? God wants me to remind you this morning. He wants to remind me that he actually is listening. 1 John 5.14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so as, as we practice the habits of listening to God, we can trust that as we speak, he's listening to us. He's listening. Man, that's a familiar theme though. We don't often believe that God is listening because God's time is not our time. I was reminded about that again this, morning, or this week. I gathered with some shoreline pastors in my office at the junction. And the junction, if you're new to the community, the junction used to be the Sugar Strip Club and sat empty for a lot of years, a lot of uh, drug use happening on the exterior, very dark place. And then a local family uh, bought it and put it up for rent, and our church rented it. And many of you helped participate in its transformation. And ask anyone that was there at the beginning, at the junction, the dressing room. Uh, the dressing room was particularly a place of great darkness. We prayed a lot of prayers over the dressing room. We prayed a lot of prayers and just trusted that God was listening to us, that whatever happened there, that God would just write a new story. And so my office at the junction, it's the old dressing room. If you ever come in and sit on my couch, you're actually sitting in ground zero of what we believe was the darkest spot of that property. And so I was gathered with the Shoreline pastors, and, and we were talking about racial reconciliation, helping churches in, in North King and South Snohomish County just be beacons of light. The churches aren't meant to be divided by, by race. We're meant to be all, all God's people, all gathered together, all, all nations you know, all genders, we're, we're all here. And God's saying, gather my people that I may speak to you. And so, you know, we're talking about how hard it is to believe that God's listening. It's hard. Even pastors and leaders and all of us, we get discouraged. God's timeline's not like ours. And so this woman sitting on the couch just, and leads this prayer ministry, and she's, she's starting to get fired up. 
I've told bits of this story before, but she told me again this week, and it, it just felt like a really important reminder for us. She said, I, I'm sitting here in this room, and I, I, I used to pray for this building. She said every Sunday night we would walk around the strip club, and people thought we were crazy, and we would pray. We wanted God to do something miraculous. But I didn't think, and now she's like tears I didn't think that God was listening. And so I will confess, I I almost stopped praying at all. And now I'm here, she's sitting in this couch in the former strip club that's now the church offices and our outreach partner with One Cup and trying to be a place of light. She said, now I know that God, he listens all the time. And he listens all the time. We're called to have that kind of faith that believes that God's listening. And one of the most powerful listening experiences I had was, was in the junction. It was you know, spring of two and a half years ago before the remodel started. We had just signed the lease. And so we gathered some volunteers and, we, and there we are. I mean, that's the same carpet that was there with the strip club and the mirrors were still up and black lights and it smelled like, don't ask me what it smelled like, it was disgusting. But we're, we're there and we... We decided to just, you know, kind of cast a little bit of vision. Mostly we just got in a big circle and we, we held hands and we, we sang the doxology because we wanted to be reminded that God's people have always been listened to by their king. And so we were sitting in a circle there. Some of you were there with us and it was amazing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We could have cut the silence with a knife. Because God was saying, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm always listening to you. And I'm trying to write a huge story, so keep doing your part. Keep, keep listening for me in the everyday. And believe that there is a difference between just hearing and actually listening to God. As measured by our response. God calls us into radical response that our lives would be lived following his voice. I hear my sheep, and they listen to me, and they follow me. May we be listening people. May we be hearing him. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you so much for a reminder of the power of hearing. God, we, we pray that in the everyday noises of our life, we know these are noisy days, these are noisy times. We pray through the great highs of victories and the great low of despair, Lord, that, that in both places, Lord, we would experience your grace, your mercy, your truth. We stand in gratitude for those this morning in the church that are just you know, kind of things are just wonderful and we just give you praise and glory for all the good things. And Lord, we stand in agreement and alignment with those that are under persecution this morning, that are struggling, that are sad, that are distant, that are in despair. Lord, we're, we're with them. Lord, you're with them. We know that you're the God of the everyday, the God of the good days and the God of the very bad days. But teach us to listen more to the dialogue in the setting you've placed us. 
We want to be hearing you in the everyday life today, not, not several weeks from now, today. And remind us, Lord, in powerful and concrete ways that you hear us. So let us pray and let us sing and let us rejoice and let us lament and let us cry out because you're the God who really hears us. In your great name we pray, amen. In close this morning, we're going um, to do an activity for just a couple minutes. We're going to practice listening. We've got a slide here. I want, um, in groups of two or three or four, which is people around you, what's something you've heard? One thing this week that was particularly joyful, like awesome, the Sounders game last night, a good grade in a class, the words of I love you from a, just something really joyful or something kind of hard or somewhere in the middle. Just share something you've heard in your life last week or two. Practice listening to one another. If that feels a little vulnerable, if you just want to listen, go ahead and just say, hey, I'm just going to listen. And then have one person in your group just give thanks to God for it all. We're just going to do that in groups of two or three or four. Take three minutes, and then we're going to close in song. Practice listening to each other now. Groups of two, three, or four. Turn to people around you. What have you heard last week?